So here we are, part six of 40 days of prayer. We're going to have one more week next Sunday on this, but there's something that I'm learning, and I hope that you have been learning this as well. If I'm not praying, I'm not accessing the greatest source in life. I'm beginning to realize that. I mean, it's taken me a while. I was raised in church. I've been a pastor for over 30 years, and here I am finally realizing that if I'm not praying about something, whatever it is, if I'm not praying about something, I'm not accessing the greatest source that I have available to me. I mean, God is all-powerful. He can do anything he wants. We sing about that all the time, don't we? We really do. We sing songs about it, but it's like, do we believe it? I believe it. God is all-powerful. God is completely righteous. That means that he does only what is right. God is infinitely good. He will only give us good things, is what Scripture says. God is all-knowing. He, he knows exactly what we need. That God is fully loving. He loves you more than anyone else. In fact, turn to the person next to you and just tell them, God loves you more than anybody else in your life. He does. He really does. And so if we know those things about him, the greatest invitation in the world is being extended to us from a most incredibly powerful, righteous, good, wise, and loving God. When God says to us in Jeremiah 33, this is what the Lord says, call to me and I will answer you. That's what prayer is all about. It's this two-way conversation. This, this conversation of dialogue that we're having with God. And, and the, the great thing about this is it's not just a one-time offer. It's not, it's not just a one-off. Jesus tells us, I think, one of the most famous passages of prayer. Jesus tells us, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. So when we look at this asking, seeking, knocking, it, it's, it's being desperate for God to do something because you have nowhere else to go. Asking, seeking, knocking is being determined for God to hear you because you, you, don't, you, don't, um, you have nothing, uh, no way of knowing what to do, no way of knowing where to go. And, and um, you're trying to connect with something, with, with a source that will help you. You're determined for that. Asking, seeking, knocking is expressing our deepest needs to God. It's saying, God, like the song we sang, I'm not enough. I can't do this on my own. We, we see this, this asking, seeking, knocking, in a parable, a story that Jesus told in Luke 18. Take a look. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always, what? Pray and never give up. That they should always pray and never give up. So Jesus is telling this story for a particular purpose. And here's a really, really cool thing is a lot of the times in Jesus's parables, you have to dig deep to discover what he's trying to say. But right up front here, the New Testament writer, he, he shows us, hey, Jesus is teaching us to pray, how we should pray, how we should always pray and never give up. And so he tells this vivid story. There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. You may work with people like that, know people like that. Okay, hopefully they're not sitting next to you today. But the judge had no ethics, no morality whatsoever. And a widow of that city came to him, notice this word right here, repeatedly. Say that with me, 
repeatedly. Yeah, circle it on that outline that you have in your brochure. I hope that you're using it today to fill in the blanks. Repeatedly, she came to him saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Now, she realized that getting justice from a judge like this guy only came through three options. Bribe the judge, threaten the judge, or plead your case nonstop. And she really only had one option. So she comes to the judge over and over and over, repeatedly bringing her case to this judge. But what's interesting is Jesus doesn't just mean time after time. Jesus also means that the widow begged the judge at all kinds of different locations. So it wasn't just time, it was place as well. So I want you to get this in your head, that this widow is pleading her case as this judge stood in the checkout line at Vaughn's. And she's pleading her case as he sits at the table at Starbucks with his friends. And she's pleading her case as he's over at Chevron filling up his gas tank with gas. And she's pleading her case out front in the sidewalk of his house. She knew that her your chances were slim. And she is very desperate to have her case heard. And it says in verse 4, the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. (laughs) I love this. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Wow. The judge had met his match. He threw up his hands in frustration. He said, fine, I, I, I give in. The only thing that forced this judge, don't miss this, the only thing that forced this judge to do something was her persistence. She never gave up. See, many people believe that is what we have to do with God. Annoy him into action. <laughs> That, you know, that, that we got to pray, pray, pray until God answers our prayers. Many people think that God is preoccupied, indifferent, and uncaring, just like the judge. Many people think that God sees us as a bother, answering our prayers only to get us off his back. But God isn't like the judge Aren't you thankful for that? He isn't like the judge. In fact, Jesus was not telling a story of comparison. He was telling a parable of contrast. Jesus is saying God is exactly opposite of the judge. Notice what Jesus says in verse 6. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. God will always give what is right to his people who cry to him day and night, and he will not be slow to answer them. I tell you, God will help his people quickly. So the point of Jesus' story isn't about the judge's apathy. It isn't about the widow's persistence. Jesus is teaching us some things about prayer and about God. 
Let me give them to you real quickly here. I believe very plainly, Jesus says, I should ask God. I should ask God. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, you need to ask God. Come on, you just need to ask God. You really do. For whatever situation that you're facing, whatever dilemma that you have, whatever decision that you need to make, whatever steps that you think need to be taken, you need to ask God. How many times do we deal with a situation where we don't ask and we try to deal with it on our own? Hmm. Ask God. Jesus says, Luke 11 verse 9, ask and God will give to you. See, Jesus knows that there's a couple of things that take place, that when I ask in prayer, there's a couple of things that take place in me. I want you to write these down because these are really important for us today. When I ask in prayer, I focus on God, not the situation. When I ask in prayer, I focus on God, not the situation. My perspective changes. My paradigm shifts. My, my viewpoint moves. I get my eyes off of my problem and I get them onto God. And that's a good thing. Jesus also knows, get this down, when I ask in prayer, I admit my need is beyond my ability. I admit that my need is beyond my ability. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how, I wonder how many of us are facing situations that are out of our control. I mean, I've got enough years under my belt now, enough experience in life now, and enough experience that I've watched other people live out in their lives. I really believe that there is far more out of control in my life than there is in my control. And I think it's true in your life too. There are so many situations regarding my finances and my job and my future and my health and all of these. There's so much more out of my control than there is in my control. Let me give you an idea, a little illustration of that. This week, um, I had to go have a test done on my heart. Uh, several weeks ago, you guys know that in December, I came down with the flu and cold and stuff, and it lasted and lasted and lasted. It lasted through our vacation. Came back in January. I still had the cough. I still didn't feel well. So I went in. I thought I might have pneumonia. I didn't know what was going on. Went in. They did a chest x-ray, ruled out pneumonia. They did an EKG and I was kind of wondering why my doctor was doing an EKG. And he said, well, we just want to check for fluid anywhere that we can and make sure your heart's working right. And when they did the EKG, the tech didn't say anything to me. And he came in, my doctor came in, and he said, now, I don't want to panic you. You'll love those words from a doctor, right? It's like, oh, okay, I'm already panicked now that you've said don't panic, right? I don't want to panic you, but your heart is a little bit larger than it should be. And so we just want to make sure that everything is working right. And, and I know probably for him this was just routine. But you know what it's like being on the other side, being the patient. It's like, wait, what? I mean, I, I was coming in because I thought I might have pneumonia or at least I had the flu. And I give me some drugs, doc, because I want to get the feeling better and I want to stop the cough. I don't want you to check my heart. And now you're checking my heart and you're telling that I have something wrong with my heart? That was a little blindsiding, right? Had no idea that was coming. He said, now don't panic. He used it twice. Don't panic. And tell your wife, don't panic. He said, just want to make sure you're young enough. If there's an issue, we'll catch it. We'll deal with it. But I, you know, I, I, all, you know, 
I, it was like Charlie Brown's, you know, cart, blah, 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 blah. All, I wasn't hearing any of that. I was just thinking, great. What's going on, God? Hmm. So, this week, went in for an echocardiogram. If you've never had one of those, it's really cool. Adrian, you're right. It's a really cool thing. Get to take a look at your heart. And they actually did the dye, Adrian. So they did the contrast view and all this. And then I could see my little pumper just boom, 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 you know, going. And the little flap inside was working right and all this. And so I was asking the tech. And the techs are trained to not say anything to you. It's like, how does it look? Oh, it's like, give me something here, you know. Dee Dee asked me when we went into the test. She said, are you nervous? Are you afraid? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's out, this is what I said. It's out of my control. Anybody else like me in wanting to be in control of things? Am I the only one that likes that? Where it's like, just, just let me be in control of my schedule during the week. Don't throw anything new. Just, I'm lined it out. And let me be in control of my routine. Do you guys have a routine in the mornings? You get up, you do the kind of the same thing. Just let me be in control of my vehicle and my home mode, my yards yesterday. I'm in control of my yards. I'm, you know, the, just let me be in control of, of life. And now here comes this thing out of nowhere. And it's like, you know, I don't know if I'm afraid or I'm nervous. I'm just, I'm not in control. And it bothers me when I'm not in control. So, now they lengthened it long enough, the suspense is enough, right? Two days ago, my doctor emailed me. He said, Bart, good news. He said, your heart's working exactly the way it's supposed to be working, no problems, we can put this behind us, good job. And I went, right? Just, wow. The, the, the weight of it is now gone. And I can believe that God is in control. But when you're going through the situation, it's hard to believe that. And so when we come to him in prayer, we're saying, God, I've got a need that's beyond me. It's outside of my control. I can't do anything about it. See, plus in verse 8, Jesus was teaching us not just about us, that we should ask God. Jesus was teaching us this. Get this down. God always answers when I ask. He, he not only, Jesus not only tells us that we should ask God, but he tells us that God always answers when we ask. It's true. First Chronicles 28 says, if you go to God for help, you will get an answer. Isaiah 58, when you call, the Lord will answer. And yet, what is so tragic in most Jesus followers' lives is that we turn to everybody else and everything else for the answers and for help. And we don't ask. Isn't it amazing? I mean, come on, let's get real. How many times do we try to solve our own problems before we ask God? How many times do we stress out, lose sleep, get irritated, have relationship issues because we're stressed, all because we haven't asked God first. Hmm. How little we ask God. The Apostle James says this, you don't have what you want 
because you don't ask God for it. Wow. I wonder how much of our disappointment in life comes simply from the fact that we don't ask God. I wonder how much of our hopeless feeling in life comes from the fact that we don't ask God. I wonder if how much of this uncontrolled feeling that we have in life, out of control, things are just spinning, how many, how many times we have those kinds of feelings and those kinds of thoughts simply because we don't ask God. I came across this verse in John 16, which is really interesting because this is in the, the, like we talked about last week, it's in the phrases and the words that Jesus was speaking to his followers, the disciples, just before he went to the cross. And look at what he says in verse 24. This is so good. Ask, Jesus says, ask and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. That's like, that's like the whipped cream on the Starbucks, right? That's the extra. You're going to get what you're asking for, and then you're going to have abundant joy. And I don't know about you, but joy is a commodity that I don't have enough of in my life. Joy is something that I miss all too often because I get wrapped up in the things that are out of my control and the things that are stressing me out and keeping me up at night and bothering me and all... I get all wrapped up in these things and I lose my joy. And Jesus, he has this, the secret. He says, just, just ask God. He'll give you what you need. And oh, by the way, he'll give you joy as well. See, I, I want to experience all that God has for me and I really want a good dose of his joy. How about you? Would you bow your heads with me?